Good evening, everyone. Let's uh, let's get started. Welcome back to all. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Hey, Jen. Hey, Noam. How you doing? All right. Welcome. It's Wednesday night, and we're all crossed out, about doubly as all crossed out as usual. That's <laughs> oh, boy. See, this is exactly why, I got to say, this is exactly why uh, when, uh, when the, the prospect of doing a show like this came up, we were like, this is great, right? Because we, we wanted to talk about internet stuff. And, and it is difficult to kind of time when you want to do it because there's stuff happening all the time. And, and it's happened to us already before where something we spoke about, we got to do this on the podcast on like a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And we record on Sundays. Like who the fuck even remembers that, right? So having this thing like in the middle that we also do live uh yeah is a is a is kind of a great uh is kind of a great addition right yeah and i hope at least one of these stories we're not talking about by sunday anymore because it's just the most annoying thing of life but i'm i'm sure the mask mandates we'll still be talking about come sunday yeah it's going to be an extended it's going to be like an extended battle because now i guess the cdc uh uh, told DOJ to appeal this decision, uh, which might bring it all the way up to the Supreme Court. But, but important to remember, because a lot of this stuff is lost in the shouting. They didn't ask for a stay. Yeah. So the basically the the fight here isn't even about this mask mandate. It's about the CDC's authority to impose such a mandate in general. So like, let's say there's a new variant and it's fucking out of control. And then the CDC wants to make another mask mandate. They can't right now. And so the fight's going to be about whether they can do that in, in the future. Not now, now is still like there's, they've still conceded that now we, we can like do away with it. Yeah. Cause if you're not going to ask for a stay, then apparently you don't really view this as an emergency per se, that people are walking around without masks on and on planes and whooping it up mid flight because they got the announcement that you could take your mask off. Yeah. Those and, videos were great. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it once again drew these lines where if you're extremely on Twitter it really becomes difficult. Like you get this weird cognitive dissonance. I really think that when social scientists sort of catch up to studying all this stuff, like in the rear view mirror, uh, you'll see a lot of this, uh, the, the sort of um, this attitude that everything is broken can be born of the, the cognitive dissonance between, you know, seeing people cheering on flights, for example, and having everybody in your Twitter sphere say like, this is a disaster, I'm immunocompromised. And the conclusion is like, fuck this, like everybody who's not in this kind of sphere of Mm -hmm. caring is a is a disgusting, uh, you know, uh, uh, heartless person you you i've heard you like stuff like eugenics you know where they're like it's throw us weaklings to the wolves and cheer you know your masks off and all that stuff um and yeah you're like it's like your brain short circuits because you're like what is this thing i see that is totally not like my social media feed yeah the funniest one i saw was paul krugman of course because paul krugman for some reason has to have an opinion on everything made the argument that well, now people who go outside with N95s are going to start being targeted. And I'm like, dude, listen, here in Atlanta, we've been doing this for over a year where you've got people anywhere from maskless to cloth masks to N95s. Nobody gives a shit what anybody else is doing. It's fine. There is, in a country as large as our, ours, 
There is a non-zero number of incidents where some dick said to somebody, hey, take Mm -hmm. your off because who gives a shit or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or, Or other uncomfortable encounters but by and large, I've seen uh, my my area was heavily, heavily masked. I live in Washington, D.C. And even within Washington, D.C., my area was heavily masked outside. They masked outside before it was like the thing everybody did. And well, after you didn't even have to do it anymore. And and uh, and mask mandates uh, in D.C. stayed uh, in place way longer than in other places. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, it's been mixed masking and people walk around with like absurd and setups with N95s and face shields and nobody gives them a second glance. People with masks and without masks Uh, in the supermarket, I see mixed masking now. I said there's like there's like two places where I still mask. One of them is like the Korean grocer near my house. Cause it's run by an old sweet Korean lady that I love. And she has the sign up still. And so and she has a mask on in there. And so I wear my mask on when I go in there for the two minutes that I'm in there. And the other is a medical facility I go to. And that's, you know, the, the you, you have know, to doctor's offices and stuff. That's all still there. And I, yeah. and Ubers, but like, I got to take an Uber somewhere tomorrow. I, and I won't like, it's that it's done. I won't. Yeah. Do it. As I said, I don't think you have to anymore. You're free. Yeah. Right. I, I, in New York is a, New York is a disaster because New York, like there's different counties and stuff like the Uber. If it goes from New Jersey over the bridge into New York, you oh ask like halfway across the bridge. So it's so, it's so, and then like, you Amtrak doesn't have a mask mandate anymore, but Penn Station has a mask mandate. So you you go through the subway, you go through the the train station with your mask on. You get on the train, you take your mask off on the train. <laughs> it's this like, and yeah, it's like it's people say kabuki, right? It really is. There is a lot of theater, and that's the point. Because uh, not to make this about me, because I really don't want to. But like I was one of the people who got a lot, a lot of shit yesterday, including from like David Simon, the guy who wrote The Wire, got very <laughs> like you attain a level of Twitter fame where all of a sudden like people you kind of know of are like calling you a fuck stick, and you're like the <laughs> weird one, you know, <laughs> like um, but but uh, but because. The, they're mistaking like happiness over the end of the mass mandate as this like throwing the immunocompromised to the wolves. When in fact, the point is that the mass, the airline mask mandate was dumb. Not that mask mandates or that uh, whatever, because uh, because so many of the uh, the counter arguments that I heard were about that sort of the abstract benefits of double masking. See, in this study, they said that double masking increases it by 20% and by 30. And the point is like, okay, fine, but look at what's going on out there. Like you don't have to wear a quality mask and people are taking them on and off. And there's this sort of blase attitude anywhere. And because of that, people who are immunocompromised will double mask, wear an N95 and stuff. And so the point is like, Okay, so like you're you're safe. Like, can we not do the thing that you already know is bullshit, which is why you're like taking extra precautions? And so it's like, no, no, this is no. You, you not wanting to do this is heartless. And I think there is a bit of a fear, and I don't even think we being meant to start here, people. But this is where we're at, so whatever. Yeah. But I think I think there is a bit of a fear from people who do still want to mask in public, but they feel like all socially awkward about it if everybody else isn't. So it's kind of like, OK, well, if everybody's mandated, then it doesn't look weird if I'm doing it. And it's like, honestly, nobody cares what you're doing. Literally, nobody cares that much about what you are doing at any given moment. No, there was a there was a I, I shared a tweet from someone like I hid the account name. Uh, who said exactly that, who mentioned the harassment of maskers as a justification to keep everybody masked, to prevent those who need to stay masked from being like singled out. And it really is 
um, it really is a weird, like you said, self-conscious issue. And, and as I said, a thing that got me the hate was that I said that I think a lot of people on Twitter who are aggressively pro mask and keep saying that they're immunocompromised, that I suspect that a lot of them like upsell their risk factor. And that was seen calling immunocompromised people liars when in fact most like most people who are like immunosuppressed for real will say like hey i have stage 2 cancer and i'm on chemo someone else will say like masking everybody should be masked forever i'm immunocompromised it's like that sounds like sus to me right yeah like what how far do we go with immunocompromised because we're all a little immunocompromised <laughs> There is, there is a, there is a, an element. Look, they say this about like, uh, like officials and the power they got during COVID, right? You all of a sudden you get all this power. You can do this regulation and that you regulate emergency powers and this and and that is a hard thing to let go of. Right. And there are people now who's like, uh, sort of, uh, social anxiety and desire to feel extremely safe was validated and catered to during this pandemic for, you know, better or worse reasons, especially initially all of the stuff we did made sense because nobody knew, knew what the fuck we yeah. were doing. And so doing everything for a while was actually the smart thing to do. To say, like, we don't know what to do yet, so let's just do everything for a little. The yeah. didn't. We weren't good at identifying what worked and what didn't and flowing with that. We just kind of, some people just kept wanting to do everything everything everywhere all at once yeah we're still washing the pringles yes exactly still washing the pringles uh um and and uh and that's a hard thing to let go of and it feels like people are being heartless but but a, a thing that really needs to percolate into the debate is this idea that like at some point whatever point that is but at some point uh, COVID will be a problem for the immunocompromised and no one else. There will be a point like that because it's there's a point like that for like the flu and cancer, yeah. whatever, everything, right? There are a yeah. bunch of people who, even before COVID, needed to do precautionary things that pe- health, regular, healthy, whatever you want to call it without offending anybody, people, people with uh, robust immune systems, whatever, things that they could like live their lives without worrying about. But if you were immunosuppressed, you had to worry about. And yeah, COVID's going to reach a level like that. Now, you you can argue about whether or not we're there now or not. But to, to get offended at the suggestion that a moment like that exists is like you can't you can't abide by that. You got to be like, no, this is you got to understand. And this isn't heartless and you're going to shame me for saying this, for saying like, yeah, if you legitimately have like some kind of immuno uh, compromise or some kind of uh, comorbidity that makes you very, very at risk to COVID, then yeah, you're going to have to suffer with it for longer than most people. That's just a reality. It's sad. I'm not happy that it happens to people, but I am also allowed to be happy that like we're, that, you know, that the rest of us are allowed to return to some semblance of normality. And I think kind of going back to that point of not wanting to let go of the power, I mean, that comes back to what the CDC is trying to do now. We're going to sit here and try to argue about the mask mandate instead of just letting the goddamn thing expire as it was supposed to, which nobody really realizes that is that it was supposed to expire and was set to expire in what, about a week and a half now? May. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, if nothing had happened, if I mean, I'm sure Biden would have extended it for another two weeks and two weeks and two weeks because we're, we're still trying to flatten the curve, I guess. I, we're just doing everything for two weeks now. This is all strategy. They are, they are trying so hard to have their cake and eat it too now because they do, they are aware that this is a good, that, 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 you know, that people actually, I know that polls, there are all kinds of polls that say 56% of Americans still support masking on airlines. And I said, that's a, a bullshit poll. That's like polling people about masking in schools and like polling people with no kids. 
And it's not like I'm not knocking people with no kids, but if I don't have any kids and a pollster is like, do you think that because the coronavirus is still around that, you know, kids should be masked at schools? I say yes, because like, why would I say no? What do I know? If, let's say I don't know any parents and I'm just like me who who, who, you know, fit, who thinks like, what would I, why would I say no? Right. Cause masking is safer. I don't have any parents or whatever, but if you do know parents, but and yeah. so the point is like, if you're polling non-parents on this, you're getting, you're skewing towards air, the air on the side of caution effect. Right. And the same thing goes here. If you're not going to fly, right, but you're online and you see people on Twitter saying like, oh, my God, my life is ruined. And I had to, people took their mask off mid-flight and I was in a COVID death trap, you know. And so and so if a pollster says, like, do you think there should be masking on planes? So you say, yes, yes, like, sure, because like because there's people who keep safe. You don't need to fly 12 hours. You don't need to get out, get on and off planes or whatever and you and see that it's dumb, like I said, kabuki, where like you can eat and you can drink and you take it on and off. And some places barely give a crap that people don't obey it at all. And so you're like, this isn't like, why are we even doing this? It's not screw the sick. It's like I could sit here with my cloth mask on for the entire flight, but everyone else is being, uh, you know, bullshitting about it. And so like it's in a what am I helping? I'm not helping. And it's funny because it, it is like kind of different in different airports. Like LaGuardia, I'll let you flaunt some shit and just because nobody gives a shit. But yeah, it's like if you never fly, then you don't care. But if you fly, you know, four or five times a year, you're like, this shit sucks. And it does suck. I hate it. Yeah. And by the way, it's actually to frame it as don't care is, is mistaken. It's like it's a you do like that's the thing like you do care you care about like getting rid of covid that's the it's hard to you got it's hard to put yourself in the place of somebody who has no who has no real like skin in the game but thinks you know by reading mainstream media watching cnn or whatever they think yeah masks masks are good masking helps not which kind of masks and whatever and and so yeah but like look ultimately the, the i think the 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 idea is that we have tools and the ability to make people really safe no matter what the people around them do and the benefits of what we had in place to like augment that were negligible not forget what we could do because some people on Twitter were like, you're right, we should have KN95 mask mandates on planes. And I was like, this is, we're not fan fictioning right now. We're talking about whether or not the mask mandate that was in place was helping or not. And if it wasn't in any substantial way, then there, there, then you're, you're not, there's no reason to keep it there. Like for what purpose? So that someone can say it's above zero. No, come on. Like because you can be like 0. 0.0001 extra percent of protection and say, well, it's at least it's doing something, right? Yeah, nobody can quite do a cost-benefit analysis anymore. And kind of to bring it back to the point of getting rid of mask mandates, like we're, we've moved to a point, I think, where, I mean, we have vaccines, we do have actual treatments that now instead of looking at things in more of like a group safety sort of situation, it's going to be more of like a personal risk assessment where if you are immunocompromised, then you look at your situation, you say, I'm going here, I'm going there, I'm doing this. And then you take the precautions you need to be safe. And then the rest of us get to do that too, including people like me who are vaxxed and boosted and been exposed twice already. And I'm pretty sure I'm not getting COVID at this point. It's just, and, and it's just, it's, I think that it's, it's not unfair after two years and after uh, seeing the, the sort of the numbers progress the way they have, especially now with these like waves that are, that feel a lot like, um, like waves of foam. Like if the initial waves of COVID were like surge waves of water that hit you like super hard, these feel like waves that are high but are kind of foamy and, and you just kind of spray over you, right? Many, many, many cases that are kind of decoupled from hospitalizations and deaths 
uh, and and even then like uh, concentrated among high risk populations and 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 you know like a skew way higher towards the unvaxxed. The point is like there are measures. That's how this should be sold, and unfortunately, it isn't. The selling point should be. We have great technology to keep you safe, no matter what any asshole around you does or doesn't do. Like that should be the selling point. The selling point should be, here's the three, four things that you got to do. Get vaxxed, get boosted, wear an N95 and wear a cloth mask over it to kind of press it to your body. If you want, you wear a face shield to be like super extra careful. And then some idiot next to you could have COVID and the chances of you getting it are still going to be super, super small. That's awesome. Like, that's great. I like, hooray for that shit, right? And so, like, but instead, the focus is on, like, what minute percent less safe you supposedly are if you aren't also surrounded by people who are doing something, anything. Again, it kind of goes back to that not being able to do cost-benefit analysis and that's still that belief that, like, you can somehow, and, and remember, we had this little like bumper crop of people who felt morally bad about getting COVID, like it was like some kind of moral stain. So now you still have to do all the things to avoid getting COVID. So you don't have to be like, I got COVID, but I did everything. I did everything I was supposed to do. And it's like, it's no, just stop. Stop it. It's very stop being weird. It is. It is extremely sad that um the 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 discourse was dictated like that like the idea of making it a moral fa- getting covid some kind of moral failing mm-hmm. highly highly bad i mean whatever the disastrous messaging on this get out um and i see super 7 is uh in the caller queue probably to talk about 420 which is going to be like the next topic i think we can bring him on for a minute and see what he has to say uh let's how do i do this Neil, you're on the air. Hey, um, so actually I was calling in about the uh, current topic, about uh, immunocompromised people and stuff, because, you know, as as an immunocompromised person, I wanted to, you know, share my lived experience, right? <laughs> this is exactly this is exactly why we yeah. need a platform. Go, um, go for it. But so there's like two kind of things going on, right? Because there's the normal people, right, who, who aren't immunocompromised, who then are like, we have to protect the immunocompromised people, right? And it's like the, it's like the, I'm offended on your behalf, people, right? It's like the people who aren't even, it's not even them. And they, they're they trying to be like pushing for these mandates, right? For like, it's just so strange to me. And it makes me feel gross. Like I'm being used as like a pawn for this policy. And then there's like the, the immunocompromised people who then also support the mandates, but it's like, they feel so like entitled. It's like so weird to me, right? Like the idea that, Oh, because I'm like super like, like, what were you doing before COVID? Like, this was never a discussion, right? There was no discussion like, like, oh, everyone's going to have to wear a mask because I could just drop dead at like any kind of germ. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It's just so strange to me that suddenly now that it's a topic that it is like these people just feel entitled to request this of everyone. It's just really strange to me because I've never had that thought as an immunodeficient person that I'm going to make everyone else wear masks. It's just really strange. I don't know. And that's a, that's a, that's a great point. And also, as you said, like uh, uh, a big uh, factor, like in the pre COVID times was like, okay, maybe I won't take a flight this year because it's a, it's a, especially bad flu season, for example, and I'm super immunosuppressed and I don't want to get on a flight where I might get the flu. Like that's people used to literally just do that. Right. That, but now the idea that like, okay, COVID, the, the mask mandates, which aren't that great anyway, you know, are, are going away. And if I feel like even my uh, extra safety measures aren't enough, then, yeah, maybe I won't fly. Maybe I won't go on vacation this year or whatever via plane. But that that's never the that never seems to be one of the options. It's always. <clears throat> and yeah, like I, and I, I do think it, it, there is a lot uh, to do with uh, feelings of safety. And I think that a lot of people are ashamed to say that that's important to them. I think if some people were more honest about this and were and 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 would literally say, "I'm literally like I get I panic and I freak out when people are without masks now because I'm I feel like I'm get COVID," I think it would be that 
easier to talk this through with them. You know what I mean? Try to reach some kind of middle ground. If at least there was some admission that a lot of this has to do with wanting to feel, you know, wanting to get through a flight without having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. But I also think a lot of these people really believe that they are in danger, that they've either from whatever, like, media that they watch or whatever has really made them believe that that the masking actually does work and that they actually do need, right, they're wearing an N95, they're boosted, but they still need the other person to wear a mask, right? They, they, They actually think that it is helping. I just don't, it's like, it really isn't. I don't know. They're just wrong, but they, they can't, they're just set in this belief. I don't know. It's very strange. Well, and the thing, the thing that I'm, uh, the thing that I'm curious about, and again, I will be, I will be flying uh, soon, uh, is to, is to see how this tracks out in the real world. I mean, we're going to see, like people are going to talk about it on Twitter. Cause you know, Jen Saki was at those videos of people cheering. And she said something like anecdotes are not, do not a trend make, which is anecdotes a, are not data. Yeah, which is very funny to say because after the whole like, I don't know why you think kids hate masks. My kid doesn't hate masks, mm-hmm. so kids are, fu- are fine masking. You know, like like that's not exactly this. But as time goes on, is at least over the next couple of weeks, uh, you're going to see a lot of people uh, on Twitter talk about going through airports and flying, and uh, and we will see. Or not see because you know uh, every change in rules uh, brings confrontations, brings flashpoint and friction moments. You know, like when the masks came back, there was a wave of like videos of confrontations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Paul Krugman's uh, if Paul Krugman's like the hypothetical uh, has any track in reality, you'll, you'll probably see a video of it. Um, but more likely. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of like, this is fine, I think. And we're also going to get a lot of insufferable, performative, selfie mask wearing videos and photos from planes. I mean, you know what? But, but <laughs> you know, no, but you know what? You're right. And, and people will cringe and make fun of that or whatever. But if you're going to do that and sell it as, here's what I did. And everybody was unmasked around me. And I was like, who cares? Because look how safe I am. And that was this, the way that these were sold, viral. Like, uh, do do a TikTok. Do a fucking... Is there... No, because, like, who's listening to this who would do that? Like, do a Don't do TikTok, actually. TikTok. Yeah. You know, when the voice comes on, here's how you pre- prepare for a flight or whatever. And it's, you know, seven steps... Or were you doing your thing? Yeah, Neil, what is it? I don't, I don't know. It's just funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, I'll, I can put you back in the in the thing. Where is it? Uh, anyway, thanks for having me on. It was fun oh, to call in. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Sure. Oh, wow. That was what a great timing because I hit hang up and it like it hung up exactly when you finished. Um, oh, I uh, thought you just did it right. Yeah. But like, you know, like do a viral TikTok where you like go through the phases of like, do put a mask like this secure it like that or whatever and the point of the tiktok is like and then screw everybody else i'm safe you know yeah. but like why because why not instead instead it's just like a you know fuck you to the whatever like just say like here's what i did to be safe regardless of what other people other people were enjoying their man flight unmasked and i didn't care because i was all safe in my protective technology in that super amazing human technology that keeps me very, very safe, both the stuff in my bloodstream and the, the materials to advanced materials, technology that humanity has attained, keeping me safe while I miraculously fly 30,000 feet through the air. Sir, that is not going to go viral. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah. And on that note, just, you know, how you say like, I'm going to, in the chair, there's that Louis C.K. Uh, that Louis C.K. bit that actually kind of was the thing that kind of made him super famous from only mildly famous. It was this viral clip of his where he's talking about how everything is amazing and nobody's happy, and that people complain on flights like, "Oh, my chair doesn't go back," and he's like, "You're sitting in a chair and you die. You're flying majestically through the air." 
and you're like, but I, but my, what, my, where's my peanuts? You know, like that's that, like everybody fucking, everybody's a complainer and we live in like magical times. So <laughs> like that too. It's like, you're fucking, look what you have. And you're like, I want the guy two rows down for me to also wear a mask. Right? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We can, uh, we can also uh, mention uh, as, uh, as we said, it's four, tw- it's four twenty. <laughs> Um, memes, memes, few <laughs> <laughs> memes. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Biden said today or whatever Saki said today about Biden, that they're, that they're pushed to, to decriminalize isn't, is happening, isn't happening, probably isn't happening. Everybody promises to do it. That's such an easy end that, you know, everyone's like, why is he crashing with young voters? And yeah, like if you say I'm going to cancel all student debt, then you don't do it. That's kind of obvious. But this is a this is easy shit. Like, why not just do this? It's the one issue left in this country. There, There is bipartisan consensus on is legalizing weed. Why the fuck is this so hard? Well, and they fight. And the first thing they did when they took when he took office was a fire everyone from the staff or whatever who failed the drug. Like, that was so crazy. I remember reading that and it was like, wait, what? Like I, I, of all things, I thought this was going to be the super easy uh, Democrat thing to do that, you know, like the Joe Manchin wouldn't care. Kristen Sinema certainly didn't, wouldn't mind. No. weed. Um, no, no fucking way. She's not on board with that. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know if what you want to say about it. I was going to just reiterate, I'm, I'm going to let you speak first because I've been speaking too much, but I was going to just reiterate my little thread this morning about why I, my, my sort of libertarian slash uh, liberty america actually <laughs> originalist whatever view on why uh it, it shouldn't be it's sh- not why it should be legal why there is no good reason for it to be illegal that's how i look at it anyway speak anyway well first <laughs> off that reminds me i need to congratulate you because you are apparently a part of libertarian twitter now so welcome to the yeah tribe. The, the libertarian party I- was re- retweeted my thing and then i had to shut it immediately i was like oh here comes the it's gonna be great and yes the best cow also declared that you're part of libertarian twitter so i mean well welcome welcome to the club (laughs) but uh, obviously my my views on weed legalization are pretty obvious i mean it's kind of part and parcel of being libertarian is that you kind of have to be pro-legalization i mean not have to but at least pro-decriminalization as far as thoughts on the topic i can take up the rest of this episode and do a whole nother episode on my personal like deeply personal and moral thoughts on the weed being illegal and how that happened and why that happened, and just the insane amount of harms that it has done. I mean, just the millions of lives that have been ruined over nothing. Like cotton industry trying to take down hemp. Yeah, because I don't know if I don't know if that's true or if that's. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually sorry. It, it's actually the the origin story of the, the of the criminalization of weed in America is pretty pretty racist. Pretty fucking racist. Of course. Of course. Really? Really? The origins of an American <laughs> That never happened. Well, this one was especially racist because Welcome it was targeted the, at the blacks and the, the Mexicans. Woke, yes. Welcome to the woke version of this, uh, of this show. Where we're going to talk about how structural racism seeps into everything. I mean, if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to be on that topic, I was <laughs> Just browsing Twitter, and someone was talking about a Supreme Court justice from the 19th century, and there was like a picture, a daguerreotype picture of him. And like my literal first thought was like, he must have been incredibly racist. And is that <laughs> fair? No, that's not fair. That's extremely judgmental. But I, that's, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm not American. I'm foreign or whatever. And so I can often, and yeah, and by the way, and I do like I have. It's actually happened to me in the past 
where I've said things like to my American family growing up that were that were like ignorant about American history that I had perceived wrongly from growing up not in America and hearing things about America that were uh, that made it, you know, worse than it was in reality. And, and, you know, luckily for me, I had people in my family who both knew better, you know, quote unquote, politically, but who were also like smart enough to like point me in the right directions to learn and, and stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I was uh, actually just so, so tempted to make a severance joke to be like, did you hear we had pouches with marsupials? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't want to talk about that show too much yet because it's. I feel like it's too new. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I've been praising it a lot. Um, but so, so, so here's the thing. Like I said, I don't want to talk because there's a lot of like points that are made about it a lot. Like how, you know, booze is illegal and pot isn't and all kinds of stuff like that. And there's other aspects of it that I think one day we will discuss. But today is not that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I said about this on Twitter was that... Um, the way I look at it is that I think that sort of a naturally occurring substances, I don't think that the state has the right to regulate. Like I look about this in a more abstract way. So I look at it as the social contract, uh, like between, you know, like people and the, the government. Uh, it means that the government should have like the, the purview to, to regulate and, uh, and like control certain things. Right. And I think that uh, it's perfectly fine to for them to regulate stuff like processes of like synthesizing or refining things. Right. Uh, and chemical processes are like laboratory processes. But something that fucking grows out of the ground for them to be able to say like you can't have this thing that grows out of the ground like that could in theory accidentally grow in your yard right and you could go and that and i say accidentally as though that hasn't fucking happened of course it's happened there's been, been people who like they're you know it's a sort of it's one of those things you read in like uh yuck yuck funny legal cases you know where somebody lived across the street from a, a like a we a secret weed hydroponics lab and somehow the seeds got in his yard or whatever stuff like that right i mean um, we literally call it weed for a reason yes well yeah and uh and stuff like you know and and so essentially if you want to look at like the the naturally occurring substances whatever i, I that i guess that that amounts to like weed right and also like my mushrooms uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms or whatever which are going to be the next pot by the way like they're going to be the next medicinal uh thing there's already lots of studies that psilocybin helps with like depression and it's going to be the next thing small dosages it's it's uh even like i remember within my lifetime when i was a teenager the image that uh, magic mushrooms had or whatever was so different from now now it's it used to be like you, you know, you go to another universe. They, people spoke about it like you, they speak about LSD, essentially. And it is not. It's not that. Especially not in small controlled dosages or whatever. Um, not that I've Microdosing done. is fun. I actually have not done. I would. I have not, though. I, Microdosing I, is fun, everybody. <laughs> um, uh, but... Um, but if you have like if you have a yard and in your yard that grows a mushroom and that'll kill somebody if you put it in their food, that's fine. Nobody cares. Like the government doesn't look at your mushrooms and says they like, go forage for mushrooms in the fucking yard. Right. Why do they say don't eat mushrooms if you don't understand mushrooms? Something can just kill you. But that's not illegal. It's only illegal if you can see if you can hear colors or whatever yeah, <laughs> when you take them, but that's, that just makes no sense to me. And so whenever I make an, this argument, cause I make it occasionally on Twitter and also in places, people's first instinct is to try to poke holes in it and say, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And so I still haven't found the thing that actually pokes a hole in it. But even if you did, like, I'm not, this is just the way, like that, that's, it's the way it makes sense to me. Cause the, the, the first thing people say is what about uranium? Right. And you and I mentioned on uh, Ambitious Crossover Attempt, you can buy unrefined uranium ore on Amazon. And somebody on Twitter said, like, just go to Utah and dig some up from the fucking ground. You're (laughs) the ground there. And that's my point. My point is uranium exists in the ground. And yeah. And then somebody said, well, if you bought 100 pounds of uranium ore, then you can't do that. The government will come because it's above a certain amount. And I said, "Okay," but then you see, you're starting to get into like 
the fact that now you have enough uranium so that if you refine it, you're doing, you know, you're getting to a whatever. Yeah. The same reason you can't buy 50 pounds of fertilizer without a special license, even though like it's just fertilizer, because if you want to make a bomb, a fertilizer bomb, you need a certain amount. Yeah. Go get 15 boxes of Sudafed because you, it's a, you know, you make meth with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, and, and so you're allowed to have poppies, but then if you refine them into opium, then you're not allowed, that's what you're not allowed to do. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff like that. And so in my mind, the, the government, I feel like has the purview to like, uh, to regulate any kind of thing that takes a naturally occurring substance and makes it like pure millions of times more pure millions of times more strong, you know, that kind of thing. Right, which usually involves some kind of complicated process that usually involves other substances, some of them regulated, uh, all kinds of crap like that. Um, but yeah, like a plant, a, a literal plant that you just take and you put inside of your body, right? You burn it and you, you inhale the smoke of it. And the government is like, no, you're not allowed to burn this plant and inhale the smoke from it. That's illegal like that's just I, i'm just saying like if you just step back for a second and look at it like that it just seems weird that it should be illegal and like i said we could spend the rest of this episode and then some discussing my feelings on like the illegality of weed and some of the arguments about it and why i think legalization solves those arguments and even touching on the area of like medical marijuana and how I'm not super comfortable with the situation of being like, you have to go justify yourself to the state and be like, have I suffered enough? Like, am I in enough pain that you can grant me my rights to fucking do what I want to do? Like, right. and we also discussed, we, you and I discussed the thing that I discovered, uh, recently, which is that like, you can't uh, pass a federal background check if you have a medical marijuana card. So that means like you can't get a gun. Also, because you're not allowed to discharge a firearm if you're under the influence of a controlled substance, like there's literally like if you're, a, that's why I say to people, like if you smoke pot, don't ever use your gun. Like you're not, even if you use it like in a lawful sense, you're mm -hmm. not a federal violation, like it's a federal crime to fire a gun when you're under the influence of a controlled substance. But if you live like in Colorado, where it's legal and you just go buy it at a corner store, <clears throat> you're not in any kind of system. And so you still pass a federal background check and get a gun. That's so weird. We're like, because you go properly through the system, then... Mm -hmm. And it's just a weird, again, it creates these weird uh, upside down loopholes. And you're right. I know the argument also about... It's stupid that it's a gateway to all that, all that crap. Like we can talk about that forever. Uh, but I do think that like there is an originalist sense where like in a free country and, you know, like the right love, people on the right love saying this is a free country, right? America's a free country. And I said, right. And to me in a free country, the way you approach the law is like everything should be legal unless there's a compelling reason to make it illegal. There's plenty of things that there's a compelling reason to make illegal, you know, including things that like some libertarians would love for it to be legal, you know, all kinds of crap like that. But when you debate something like pot or something like booze during prohibition or whatever, I think there needs to be a compelling reason for it to be against the law, for it to be against the law. I don't think it should be on the legalizers to justify why it should be legal. I think legal is the base state of everything in a free country. And the, the, the government needs to say, like, here's our reasoning for why we shouldn't allow this. Look, everybody, he did become a libertarian. I don't know. Like, I feel I, I, you're, I mean, if you, you say that, but like, to me, that feels very like early America. Like that mm -hmm. feels extremely like a fuck you King George kind of attitude. Not, not and so. And so it is weird that like I know a lot of like kind of Nat Connie types like look at that now and they go, "You disgusting libertarian!" Paul, you should go to prison for even googling the word porn, right? <laughs> like that. Um, <laughs> thank you, Neil. Neil is like I'm, says I'm sounding very based. <laughs> uh,
And, um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess we, we just, I mean, we had to mention it, right? By the way, the thing that I did not see once today, both, I didn't see one like Hitler, it's, it was, it's Hitler's birthday, right? None of that. And also no Columbine because it's also the anniversary of Columbine. Those are the two now because, and because they did it on the, on the, on the day, right? Yeah. Hitler's birthday day. Um, and I believe tomorrow is Saddam Hussein's birthday, I think maybe, I remember, or maybe it's his death day, one or the other. Um, but, uh, yeah, I saw none of that. I guess we're all too busy with other things with the Pierce Morgan Trump interview that, now it turns out it was bullshit, and they the, the thing that they teased that he ran out and yelled at him was like a fake, because now NBC has audio of them like yucking it up about that afterwards or something like that. So it's like a work or something. So this one was an actual work, not like Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, that's we're gonna save it for our Will Smith minute. Because <laughs> there was this story refuses. To- I, I'm literally going to do a jingle. Literally. <laughs> you know, we're just going to have a, a recurring like, <laughs> because they said now they're saying it's going to be the ugliest celebrity divorce ever, ever. Right. It's going to be worse than the Paul McCartney, Heather Mills divorce, where she said that he didn't let her have an operation on her stump because she was missing a leg mm-hmm. uh, or the Mel Gibson divorce where there's voicemails where he says to his wife things that I can't even, I can't even describe without being offensive. Like that's how bad we've gotten with language and, and specifically like racial slurs and even more specifically the N word, even me trying to describe to you the scenario in which he used it, not using the word would be hard to not sound offensive. He basically said that like, if she got raped, it would be her fault for how she dresses. And it involved using a racial slur in that as well. Uh, and uh, yeah. And admitting that he hit her when she was holding their toddler, all kinds of stuff like that. And like, they, I heard that on the radio, they play that shit on the radio. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, it, this is going to be worse than that, I guess. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of weird, bizarre stuff coming out, but we we can't we we can't leave off without leaving fun, making fun of the Washington Post and Taylor Lorenz. Oh yes, yes, no, we still have time. I know. I was I, all I was going to say about my like, my last comment about that was just going to be that um that I do hope that if that happens, he hires a lawyer that advises him to just go for the jugular because I love I want a Will Smith rap about. About what an awful person she was, you know, like, uh, you know what I thought earlier today? I was like, if Will and Jada get a divorce over this, Chris Rock's bit is going to be fucking epic. Yeah, I guess so. He'll bring Will Smith on. (laughs) He'll, he'll play, he'll play Jada. (laughs) They'll do a skit where he plays Jada. (laughs) Oh my God. This might, I, you're right that this might, this might turn into like a weird, wouldn't it be hilarious if they like, if it turns into like this just incredibly toxic and acrimonious thing where she blames it all on him or whatever. And then he says, fuck that. I'm going to go and do a thing with Chris Rock. I'm going to record a diss album. <laughs> just about what a, what a hard person you are. What a, what a torturous, self-centered asshole. <laughs> Hold on, before we go to Taylor Lorenz, I want to bring on Nick just to see what he wants to say. Okay. Uh, good evening to you, Nick. Your dog picture is adorable. Oh, it is. Yeah. You're muted. So, unmute. There's a little mic icon in the bottom of your. Hello. Room. There you go. There you go. Hey, guys. How are you? All right. Good. Um, I have two. I have a segue into into Taylor Ends, but first, um, Noam, have you followed the uh, Let Me Solo Her saga of Elden Ring? No. I, so n- no. I, like I know. Like I keep hearing that name. Like, 
my problem is I'm in hell. I'm in content hell because like I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in Elden Ring and I'm kind of not playing it, but I'm avoiding all of the content at, like that relates to late game. So I'm missing all of this crap and I hate it. But I know I don't think like, I don't think it's spoiler. I don't think that's really late game spoiler so much. But what? it's like been a speedrunner, it's a speedrunner of some sorts. No, he's just he's just a random guy that stands by this one boss um, that you can summon, and he just helps people. He beats the he beats the boss for them without taking any damage, and it's like the hardest boss in the game. And uh, he just his his avatar is just a naked guy uh, with a pot on his head. But, but he's been, and so some player somewhere and nobody knows who he is. Uh, he's done some interviews, um, but like he he just sits at the same boss um, whenever he's on or however long he's on, and then you just, you just summon like him that. with one of the with one of the potions or whatever. Wow! So he like just sits around. American? Where does he live? Um, I didn't read the interview, but I think it might be Asian, perhaps. But that's, people that's, are making like people are making like action figures. I saw and, yeah. like selling memorabilia they, and stuff. They modded him and they modded it into the game. I keep seeing that name appear, and I just kind of scroll by because like I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going on. But uh, that's amazing. See, I love that the game creates this kind of uh, community. It, it's been really fun to, to to sort of see it grow in real time. That's good. Yeah, that's going to be discussed in 10, 15 years. People are going to be talking. Yeah, this is my, this is my first uh, my first Souls game, and like yeah, just the community aspect of it has yeah. been just as good as the game, pretty much. It's almost fun. Wait until uh, Breath of the Wild too. That's going to be another fun delight. Yeah, Silk yeah. That's your your bag, but Silk Song is going to be another big one. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so now save us the save us the uh, the effort of doing a segue by doing it for us. Sure. Um, segue to Taylor Lorenz um, is kind of on the um, anonymity aspect. Um, you may have touched on this on Twitter. I haven't seen it, but um, I've seen like people like Matt Taibbi taking the stance that. Um, the, they didn't breach any journalistic uh, integrity areas by going after someone's anonymity. Um, even though today you can see like people with that same name are like being harassed and threatened online, which was, you know, it seems like it was part of the goal of, of the of the editorial piece. So it sounds like you might have had some familiar experiences with that or something like that yeah uh, sure and uh yeah I, uh, I saw what he was talking about actually private with someone um, who said to me um can i do that oh there you go sorry i um just so we can because there was like That's weird. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Call an app is uh, is acting up. Um, uh, 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 lost my train of thought because I was handling um, that. Um, being doxxed. Oh, so Taibi. So so the so I was speaking to someone in private, and they uh, they said to me I uh, that they actually thought that uh, that lips of TikTok was uh, someone who was uh, big enough. And, uh, you know, did the TV interviews and was like registering a company and stuff. And so their identity was was actually OK. Uh, and that and whether or not I agree with that is a, a separate matter. But what that conversation led me to think about was that that needs to be the discussion. I think that there needs to be at least some form of kind of agreed upon level above which someone's identity becomes kind of relevant, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure we crossed that. And my bigger problem, because I said, I think there's a difference between uh, other accounts that are kind of like libs of TikTok going after that person, because libs of TikTok does go after people and is happy when people that, uh, that uh, the person who runs the account, you know, thinks should lose their jobs for going on TikTok and doing videos about how they want to discuss 
things with kids. Some are, by the way, that's the, the problem is also like when you want to get into the weeds of that is that some of those things are really, really, really crazy. And, and it is really bizarre and uh, maybe even fireable that teachers say in chat. And then other things are not but are roped in with that because the person who runs lives of TikTok is, you know, on a certain point of the spectrum on this issue that lies, I think to definitely to my extreme, right. Meaning like mm -hmm. I see some of those, I saw some of those videos and I was like, this is, this is crazy and insane. And other videos, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Because if this teacher was straight, they would have said this exact same thing about their husband when it's a guy saying that same thing about their husband, whatever. My point is like, there's also a spectrum to that content, but my, pro my problem is this, what is the national newsworthiness of the person's identity is something that should guide the Washington post in taking someone that they pay a large salary to. And also, like I said, they reimburse her travel costs to go to, I don't know where, because I don't know where Taylor Lorenz lives and I don't know where the person that she went to their house lives, but it was, it could have been an Uber and it could have been a flight. And, you know, like they paid for her to do that. Right. And the question is, what is the national newsworthiness of that identity? Right. And I don't see, I don't see where, I don't see what it was in this case. Like, I don't see why it was important, especially once you find it out. Cause if you find, again, if you look up some, if you try, if you try to research somebody who runs an account like that and you discover that they're like an RNC consultant or is it's run by some kind of uh, ad for, not ad for, but like, a, you know, like a, some kind of, you know, like it, it's some kind of dark money operation. Yeah pretending to be a thing that's very relevant, but like, and, and, uh, some people even said like, you know, she's a realtor and she's, she works for a, a real, a realty agent that caters to people who are religious Jews like her. And so it likely won't cost her a job and stuff. Okay. That makes her identity even less relevant because it's not like she's doing a thing where it's unethical for her to do this so that maybe her employer will say like, how dare you do this while working here? Like if, if it's not going to impact her professional life, then her identity is even less uh, worthy of being published because it doesn't, the point is it doesn't matter, right? What's the, what is the purpose of it is I don't know. And the whole thing about doxing the person that runs an a non account that reposts TikTok content. Like, okay, let's 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 take a second and think about this here, people. I have seen the argument made that because it's a huge account and it quote unquote affects the public sphere or whatever. Like, first of all, please go log the fuck off for a couple of days if you think libs of TikTok is influencing any sphere beyond the terminally online. Please go touch grass. But there's this argument that because an account has X amount of followers that somehow we are all owed that person's identity in a hill that I will die on. Unless there is some extremely, extremely good reason to dox in a non-account, you don't do that because you don't know why that person is posting anonymously, and quite frankly, you're not owed an explanation for that. It doesn't matter. The answer is because I want to, and there are people who do it just because of that. There are people who do it because they don't want to deal with blowback from, you know, I posted some shit on Twitter, and then somebody found out where I worked and tagged it and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and but, some, woman, some woman with the same name got uh, horribly harassed, which, again, also goes to show you that like the, the like what that you know you everybody knows that that's going to be a result right and the fact that it's such a an automatic that even people with the same name that aren't that people get uh horribly harassed this happened with george zimmerman by the way spike lee tweeted out uh, in the wake of the, I think it was the Zimmerman acquittal, I believe is what had happened. He tweeted out, tweeted out like his parents' name and address, but it wasn't them. It was a different Zimmerman couple. I believe that there was some kind of lawsuit. I think he settled or he like pay, he paid them some some hush money or whatever. But like they, it was fucking crazy, like that he did that. I remember, I remember that happened. Um, and so 
it's you're like you said, we all know what the purpose is. The purpose is to make the person like worried that their name will forever be at some kind of risk. And they'll always, they'll feel a little less safe doing it because supposedly anonymity grants you safety. But, and I said like, that's, that to me is like a shit posters excuse for doxing somebody. Like I said, if it was right wing cope that doxed them and that was his excuse because I want them to whatever. But as I said, Taylor Lorenz of the Washington Post, I think need a different, they have, should have a different set of, of, uh, of measures for what the point is. And to say this is shoe leather reporting and this is like Woodward and Bernstein is like you're actually exposing yourselves for being shitheads because you're, you're, you're giving an example where somebody's identity was extremely, extremely important to somebody whose identity, revealing their identity, added nothing to the story. Because what'd you come up with? It's some Jewish lady in Florida or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't even know where she lives. But it was like, I mean, that's it. That was the, she's a religious Jewish lady. And she works at a real estate agency that sells to religious Jews. The, the end. That's it. What, what, did this, what did this add to the story? Like, I can't even focus on the story itself because it's so stupid that it's like, I don't even understand why anybody, like, what editor approved this? Like, this is just the dumbest shit. Like, the story is so stupid, but the conversation around the story, I mean, this comes up all the time as far as anonymous accounts and what is doxing and what is not doxing. And I think, uh, to bring it back to Watergate, I, there seem to be some people that think it's not doxing unless you're like meeting deep throat in the park and he's handing you a manila envelope of information because the argument's always, well, it was public information. I'm like, everything's public information. Like the, like the whole reason I actually started using, well, most of my full name on Twitter was kind of like a pre-doxing of myself because at the time I was married to somebody more famous than myself. And I was talking to him because I was originally post posting anonymously. And I was like, and eh, do I want to start using my real name? And he's like, you realize anybody that Googles my name is going to find your name, right? And I'm like, fuck, really? Yeah. And it, it feels like a relic of a time when that was more true. Uh, the idea that like, uh, the, uh, that, because um, also doxing used to mean like you're, your finance, like people would like post your financials, like your bank account and your loan documents. And some of that did require, yeah. uh, things that were, but the, 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 the thing is not, it's public information. I tried to explain it in like logic problems. People were pedantic about how I, I defined it, but there's a class of logic problem where we got to end soon, but there's a class. I, I thought it was NP complete. People told me I was wrong, but the, the, this, there's the idea with, there are problems that are, uh, incredibly difficult to brute force. But if you have a bunch of the data from different places that you kind of put together, it's easy to check if your solution is correct. And so the idea is like you take a bunch of bits of info. For example, when I got doxxed, one of the bits of info that eventually got brought into the docs as like supporting evidence was a tweet from my uncle from like 2009, February of 2009, like a week after I joined Twitter where he was like, hey, my nephew's on Twitter and added me, right? But you would never get to that tweet if you didn't know what you were looking for in the first place. Once they knew that he was my uncle through other means. They were like, oh, let's search his account for mentions of, of, of me going as far back as we possibly could. And then they found that. So they had a, they had a key, you know, to use to, to, to solve the cipher. Cause what else, what are they going to do? Look through every Twitter user's mentions of me to see if they mentioned that I was their relative. No, but once you have a line on somebody's identity and you can then use that to fish for other details that you could have never come across by pure chance or by brute force. Otherwise that's doxing. And I don't care that it's out in the open. Like that's ridiculous. Like I said, what do you get? Cause, and, and like it's public info. Like my aunt has a Twitter account. My aunt who's been dead for years has a Twitter account with tweets that are still up. And I don't know if anybody has access to that account or ever will ever. Right. And so 
if and if she had revealed my identity on her account there or whatever, it would have been up forever. And it's not. And so somebody can say, like, well, it's on the Internet. Right. And so, like, it's not it's kind of a different world now. And yes, the idea is always like if you take bits from all kinds of places and you use one to get to the other that you use to get to the other and you use time and effort and you and you 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 collate all those things into proof of somebody's identity that's fucking doxing like i don't know how else you could ever uh, separate that from doxing i like for real it's right up there with like cancel culture isn't real it's like doxing isn't real because it's, it's stuff that i found on the internet i'm like okay how much time did you spend finding this stuff on the internet? Did you spend two minutes? Did you spend two hours? Did you spend two days? I yeah. mean, and there's, and you and yeah, there are people like I've heard ridiculous stories where people, where people like would, would call doxing something really dumb. Like some people, some internet randos in the trenches will often consider you tweeting any bit of information about them at, at back at them, even if it's like in their Twitter bio to be doxing. Cause you're like talk, talking about what they are, even whatever. But, but the idea is the, the people who keep saying like, well, technically this isn't doxing are trying to defend it. This is never, this argument is always said in the defense of something that is at best questionably doxing <laughs> and early doxing. And so like, you know, it's like uh, it's like how uh, people say, like, you can't be racist against white people. And so I say, then why do you keep trying? Because right? <laughs> it's like that that sense is never said in the defense of like nice behavior. It's always said in the defense of disgusting behavior. And so they're like, if you can't be racist against white people, stop trying. <laughs> and uh, I think on that uh, incredible note, <laughs> we're gonna, uh, we're gonna bring uh, we're gonna bring this uh, this episode to a close. Uh, I don't, we don't number these, so who cares, right? Yeah, but, uh, yeah it's uh, it's another uh, one of these all crossed outs, which we really enjoy. Thank you for everybody who joined and the people who came by to give comments, which is uh, which is always awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, Jen, uh, you want to plug uh, things? You want to plug the pod or stuff like that? Oh, I mean, I think everybody here already knows, but obviously, if you didn't know, we have a podcast. It's <laughs> Ambitious Crossover. It comes out every Monday. I... And, and, of course, we have a Twitter at AMBXOver, and I'm at Twitter at that Jen Monroe. Yeah, and I'm on Twitter at Neon Taster. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for another one of these next Wednesday, and uh, see you on the next podcast episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you.